0: By
1: Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God or am I trying to please men if I were trying to please men I would not be a servant of Christ I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me.
0: Thank you, Robbie. And we ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word this morning. I want to speak this morning about how your identity is shaped who you are, who you're called to be, and how God wants to use you. Well, how is your identity shaped? Let me um, just show you a A photo that I've found recently. I've been trying to organise, trying I say, to organise the photos in my photo collection um, that used to be in photo albums, uh, kept in a cupboard and um, then were on one computer and then one hard drive and now in various places all over the internet. Um, And so I've been trying to condense them and, and get them organised. Have we got the photo there? And I came across many photos of people in our church Uh, Some who are no longer with us, but who have shaped our identity and this one that I thought was just a a lovely identity-shaping moment. Um, Isn't that true of the Malcolm that we know? Sadly, he's not with us this morning. But as I looked at that photo, I thought, now Malcolm, he's always been a guy uh, in the time I've known him uh, to be interested in the lives of children and uh, to be able to speak to them on their level. And uh, while he's got his back to the camera there, uh, it's clear that's, that's Malcolm and uh, a young Linnell, And I put the photo up with her permission. Uh, and, and someone who there is being shaped uh, to know and to trust and, and be encouraged uh, by the people in her church. And uh, I think you would say, looking her, at her today, that she's a, a confident young lady uh, who has being developed well uh, by the lives that have shaped her. Paul writes, of his life that there were significant times of change and growth and he writes as he's ministering to the churches of galatia that this was actually something that he was prepared for before his birth god chose him and formed him for this purpose and now he's writing in order that his testimony might be shared alongside of the testimony of others that they would see that whatever is being produced in them is not from them but is from god himself he's writing as we've uh, begun to to learn last week uh, to defend himself to defend the gospel that he preaches to defend christ his savior because the message of jesus and who he is and what he has done is being challenged by some who are coming into the church and trying to lay upon them a, the law or or reforms that that would help them to be welcomed into the jewish community that threaten to withdraw them from the the community of christ and uh so let's pray as we open the word of god together that we too will receive the message that has been written for us father we thank you for bringing us together in this place that that we might read this letter written to others uh, as something that you have written for us as we open your word lord we pray your blessing on us as we open your word lord we pray that you would be glorified As we open your word lord we pray that that uh, the message that you have given us which is a message to be shared would be a message that is lived out in our lives uh, before the eyes of others that they too would come and know uh, the god who loves them and has prepared them for something even greater we pray this in jesus name amen now paul begins in uh well continues in in galatians 1 in verse 11 saying that the gospel that he preaches uh, has preached uh, to the galatians is not man's gospel i would have you know brothers and sisters that this gospel preached by me is not man's gospel for i did not receive it from any man nor was i taught it but i was received it through a revelation of jesus christ we'll look at what that revelation was in a few minutes but I wonder as you look back in your own life and the learning of of the things of Christ and and the opening of the scriptures and, and those sorts of things, is it something that you've gradually been taught and gradually become aware of and gradually believed simply because of those that have taught it to you or opened your eyes to things that you might not have seen? Or has God used them... To place within your heart an understanding that actually god is interested in you do you remember that time when it sort of dawned upon you that god loves me god has died for me the spirit of god is speaking to me personally that that he is calling me to his purposes paul in part is saying this is not man's gospel just something that i've heard from others and then passed on to you he's saying that The message that I've preached is about God reaching out to me in order that I might reach out to you, that you would know that it is God who is at work in your life. That's something worth holding on to, that God cares for me, that God has a purpose for my life, that Jesus Christ being crucified for us some 2,000 years ago was for me that i might come to god that i might know his love were you convinced simply by an argument maybe it was something that you'd heard many times before you actually came to believe maybe it was something that the moment you heard it you knew that god had been preparing you for this message and it was that that convinced you this is something that is life transforming and i know it's greater than anything i've ever heard greater than than anything god might have done through somebody else this is something that god is doing in me paul goes on to say uh, to give account of some of those things of of the fact or how he received this gospel from jesus christ himself but also giving evidence that it was that sort of good news for him it turned his life around and it was god who was doing it for his purposes and for his glory he says you have heard of my firm, former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll look at verse 14 a little bit later. But um, in case you haven't heard of Paul's former way of life, turn with me to Acts chapter 7. Even if you have, um, turn back. because let's, let's just get a, a, a fresh picture of, of what Paul is describing there. We'll pick the story up in Acts Mm 7.54. Stephen, a a young man appointed by the church to serve as a deacon, uh, a a waiter of tables, is a young man full of the Holy Spirit, who uh, at the right time got appointed to preach the message uh, of the gospel publicly. And when the crowd of people heard what he was saying, that they had taken their Messiah and hung him on the cross, they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right, the, the right hand of God. And he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there rose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, Paul speaks about in Galatians, as some of you have heard of my former way of life, how I persecuted the church. We need to get a picture of exactly what that looked like. A young man full of the Holy Spirit who is doing great things in his community and preaches a message that basically says, the king that you've been waiting for has arrived and you have put him to death, but God has glorified him by raising him to life again. This young man gets tortured and killed publicly. And even as he does, he looks like like a the righteous man that he is. He declares before God forgiveness for those who are are killing him and gives his life into the hands of God. Such a beautiful picture contrasted by a man who is seeing those very same images and is giving approval. He's the, the, the official witness of his stoning to death and not content with the life of one young man He enters house after house, dragging out men and women and putting them in prison simply for putting their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. It's a terrible picture. And Paul knows that people know that about his former way of life. And it speaks hope to us who at one time have been hostile against Christ. Maybe we have been the ones who have put others to shame at the way that we've been able to tear strips off Christians and and churchgoers and and those people who like to do good in the community. We've been the the smartest and the wittiest at at pulling them down and making them look foolish before the eyes of others, only to one day realise that maybe actually what they've stood for is the truth and and we have been the ones uh, in God's eyes in shame. Paul's life speaks hope to we who have been hurtful, to we who have actively rebelled against God and sought to defame his name. Paul also speaks help to those who are prideful. In verse 14, he goes on to say, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my own people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. He says... At one hand, I, I'm, I'm a murderer, and people know my murderous ways. But on the other hand, you might declare me righteous because among the Pharisees, I was the, the top of the Pharisees. I was the top of my class of those that were reciting the law and learning its ways and, and reforming their lives in order to be committed to it. I was zealous for, for the ways of God as dictated in Judaism and so for those that stand upon their own righteousness paul also offers something of help you know my former way of life how i was murderous but also how i tried to to declare my righteousness before others but god has saved me from both of those consider my former way of life for it will be instructive you not that you might know the man that i am but that you would know the man that i've become he's clear on saying that the gospel is from god and the gospel to us is good news it changes who we are he goes on in verse 15 when he who had set me apart before i was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that i might preach him among the gentiles i did not immediately consult with anyone now that statement's really geared towards again saying where he got the gospel from but i think it's so full of of meaning of what the gospel is and how it comes to us before he was born he was set apart by god and at god's right time he was called to god's purposes When Jesus met him on the road, Paul met the road, first of all. (laughs) Was laid flat on his face before the one that he was trying to persecute. If you'd like to read of, of that conversion, look back at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. He's on his way to Damascus continuing this persecution of believers, not content just to pull the believers out of their houses in Jerusalem, but, but because the persecution so great in Jerusalem and the, the believers are having to, be, to spread throughout the surrounding region, Paul goes after them, seeking for the places that they now reside in order that he might drag them back to Jerusalem and put them in prison. But as he is intent on what he thinks his life has been pointing to to this point, Jesus stops him in his tracks and puts him on the ground. I don't know what your conversion is like. But if it didn't end up with you on your knees, perhaps even on your face before God, I'd ask you to go back and just consider, have I really met Jesus Have I really turned from that life I was seeking to live? Or am I still continuing under my own strength and by my own steam? Paul was struck with blindness. Really as a way of him understanding the blindness that he'd been living in all of his life. And over a number of days, I imagine that that he's recalling many of the scriptures that he's learnt Off by heart considering this jesus who is now met on the road the one who he didn't know but revealed himself as the one he was persecuting could this be the messiah and jesus sends ananias to meet with him to speak with him and to heal him of his blindness And as the scales fall from his eyes, Paul is baptized into the church of Christ. Before he was born, he was set apart in order that at the right time, God would call him by his grace to the purposes that he has set out for him. God, not your parents not anyone else in your life, not your teachers, not those who have spoken into your life. God is the one who is determining the way of your life. Before you were born, before you were conceived, God had a calling on your life. It's not important what other people say you are, It's important who God says you are. We've considered already in the service this morning of lives in the womb. And the debate rages well, when does life exist? When does it begin? Is an individual an individual at 22 weeks, uh, 23 weeks, but not at 22 weeks? Is there purpose in such a life? god says yes before you were conceived i knew you before you were born i knew my plans for you it's true for all of us whatever age we are god knew us before we were conceived and it's god who says who we are paul begins to understand that on the road but goes on to, to understand more and more what it is that God has set him apart for and what that calling is. In verse 16, he says, "As God was revealed uh, sorry, that God was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem or those who were the apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. We've got the picture of the map there. Paul, again, I guess in Galatians, briefly describes a, uh, a story that you can flesh out a little bit more as you, you read through Acts. Now, I know that's small on the screen, but let's just have a look at this a little bit. Um, Jerusalem's down here, little star there, Damascus here. Now, we know that that was where Paul was on his way to in order to persecute Christians. Uh, he eventually got there, but um, rather than persecuting Christians for the gospel, began preaching the gospel in that place. Uh, as he preached, he faced opposition. Strange, isn't it? Went there to oppose the gospel, and then as he began preaching, was opposed himself. And so needed to be let down uh, out of the the wall of the city, in order to escape the violence that was coming against him, so from Damascus he travels all the way down here to Arabia. Now you kind of recognise that region, don't you, as the the place where Israel was wandering uh, in their years between Egypt and the Promised Land and the crossing of the Jordan. Paul goes down into this area and lives there for three years. Um, in part, as you, you read Acts, you would say, for his own safety. Um, if, if he's a man who is at the forefront of persecuting Christians and then becomes one himself, you can imagine that those who uh, have just written the authority for Paul to go and persecute Christians would be keen to get their hands on him uh, in order to bring him to justice in Jerusalem. So in some ways, it's a, it's a place of safety for him. But he stays in this wilderness area for three years. And then later, we'll get to it, later writes to the Galatians that no man has revealed this gospel to me. I didn't go to Jerusalem to listen to the apostles or anything like that. God himself revealed it to me. And so we hear and understand Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. But see now that for three years he's in the wilderness and Jesus is revealing himself to him personally. In order that, as we've shared around the, the communion table, he would be able to confidently say these things I know and believe, because Jesus Christ has revealed them to me. I can declare myself as an apostle, because while the other apostles, they, they lived and, and walked with Jesus for three years through his ministry, Jesus has appeared to me personally, and so my apostleship comes also directly through him. From Arabia, he returns to Damascus, and then we're told goes down to Jerusalem and only spends 15 days there, meets with Cephas or Peter. Um, Both readings are correct. Um, And and then goes from there up to his hometown of Tarsus. And he's in Tarsus for about four years. Uh, Again, I imagine sort of this place of his learning and and early instruction, now with these visions and revelations of Christ, re-examining the scriptures in order that he might understand this this gospel of of peace that has come firstly to the Jews in order that it would be revealed to all the nations, that it would be revealed to the Gentiles. Uh, From Tarsus, he travels to Antioch with Barnabas, who's been sent there to encourage the believers there. Um, Barnabas, I think, is one of the most underrated or under, yeah, um, under-publicized uh, evangelists and, and pastors and, and teachers of the church, um, so much so that, that we know him by Barnabas, uh, not by his true name, because Barnabas means encourager. He's the one who encourages Paul, he's the one who encourages the Christians, and so spends time with Paul in Antioch. Uh, before they hear that there's a, a famine in Jerusalem and they want to send goods down Um, to there and so there is time in Jerusalem but it's only a very limited time much of the time uh, Paul is is just spending uh, both preaching the gospel well receiving the gospel firstly from Christ and then preaching it in his hometown Uh, again mirroring the the uh, commission given to the Apostles I want my my gospel to be preached in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth as Paul receives the gospel, spends time with Christ and then preaches in his hometown before being uh, used in, in Antioch and then uh, I guess the maps that you're more familiar with in the back of your Bible travelling all around Asia, Asia at that time uh, wanting to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. I say that because I think some of us uh, need and, and, and probably can uh, recognise that that after receiving the gospel, we, we go into this intense time of, of re-examining our lives and, and studying the word of God and, and, and working out, is this the truth? How does it all fit together? Uh, I was a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, in, encouraged as, uh, as I went to Cornerstone in my couple of years after high school Uh, Somebody said to me, you know, Paul, he began preaching immediately but but actually spent a lot of time studying the word of God before he went out into mission. And so sometimes you can be challenged by the idea that that you would uh, withdraw from your everyday life in order to go and and do discipleship training or Bible college or or those sorts of things. But actually there's a very biblical uh, pattern in that. And so for those preparing for the mission field or those preparing for, uh, for ministry in local churches, I think very much those, those years of, of Bible college, uh, even though it looks like it's, well, I'm, I'm delaying. You know, what, what about the people who, are, you know, who could be reached in the time that I'm spending time studying and that sort of thing? I, I think God has those things in, his, in hand. Uh, but I think for all of us, we need to recognize that our, our ways are directed by God. Not only has the gospel message come from God and come to us by his grace because he has called us to his purposes, but the ways that we walk from then on may look kind of random or or kind of dictated upon us, like Paul being let down out of the, the wall in Damascus and then needing to go into the wilderness for a number of years. God had those things in his plan and purposes for Paul that he would be able to return to his hometown and preach there, that he would be able to encourage those in the surrounding region and even be a blessing to the churches in Jerusalem so that they might, though suspicious of him the first time he's there, begin to realise that actually this is a man that God is changing the life of. And God may take your life through various courses that, that don't look straight you know, from point A to point B. But as you look back, you can see, well, actually, God was directing me in those years as to where he wanted me to go. It's not that God doesn't use you through that time. Paul was preaching through that time. God was revealing himself to him through that time. But God was using those times to prepare him for the work that was yet to come. And so while you are who God says you are, I also want you to know that your ways are directed by his ways. The story of your life, it's woven into the story of the lives of people around you. It's woven into the story of of history, that what is happening in your life is significant and will have impact in the building of the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Paul says these things i i did and didn't do in order that you might know that my gospel has come from god the people that i saw the things that i the people i spoke to Um, verse 22 he says i was still unknown in person in the churches of judea that are in christ they only were hearing it said he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified god because of me i wonder how that would feel to you to be able to say people know the person that i used to be would that sit upon you as shame and condemnation or would you be able to own that and say people know the way that i used to live but they've also seen a pattern in my life that has emerged that is clearly not anything that comes from me. They've seen someone at work in my life who who has a different plan and purpose than I would have had. He's bringing about different things in me than than those who grew up with me would, would have predicted for my life. Clearly God is doing something that is transforming my life and the lives of those around me. They they knew that I was the one who used to persecute and now preach. And they glorify God because of me. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. The people who know me, who knew me and know me now, glorify God because of me. Now, if you were to say that, In the Australian culture, we would probably go, ah, you're building yourself up a little bit, aren't you? People are praising God because of you. But it's not at all self-focused, not at all self-serving. All he's saying is that because of what people are seeing God has done in me, they're giving thanks to God because of me. Now, we can say that even lives that are shortly lived and created even for just those few moments shared together no one can understate how profound those moments are or how life-changing those experiences can be what of your life what are the things that god has led you to do and the people who he has placed you around how profound will your life be Maybe that's too profound a question. So let me ask it this way. What will your life accomplish today? In the moments that God gives you today, to reach out your hand, to hold another, to serve another in Christ's name, to speak the words that have brought life to you, how will you translate them into the lives of those around you? How will we be known? Will we be known for who we were or for who God is calling us to be? He's placed his hand upon your life even before it was a life. And he's speaking to you today. I want to glorify me through you. Will you be willing to let me do it? Let's pray and commit ourselves to the Lord and his work in this. Father I thank you that even Paul in defending his his witness and testimony was defending you and speaking of a God who who calls us by name and directs us towards his purposes Lord I thank you for the call that you've placed on our lives open our eyes lord to those around us who who may even yet seem hostile to the gospel who you are calling to yourself, who you are preparing to transform, that they would bring glory to you. Lord, fill our hearts with with love, fill our, our, our lives with faith, that the God of grace who has called us to himself would continue to work his grace in us, that we would be who you say that we are, that we would live the lives that you have called us to, that we would bring the glory that is only due to your name to you. We pray this in in Jesus' name. Amen.